This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover, and what I'm taking to the house on today as of filming, it is May 5th, 2021. And here is your friendly reminder that Cinco de Mayo is not Mexico's Independence Day. So if you want to celebrate, and it is more widely celebrated in the U.S. than in Mexico or anywhere else, feel free. But just know what you're celebrating. Welcome to the show. One tequila, two tequila, three tequila, go. So I, I like the history lesson, sis, and I know there's a whole lot of Americans celebrating today. And as you stated, did they really understand what they're celebrating? Hey, team, I'm ready for the playoffs to start. I'm ready for the summer to come. There's so much happening. I look forward to getting started today. What you got, Unc? Dustin May. Man, I am so sorry. I pray for your speedy recovery, speedy healing. Ulnar collateral ligament. What are we talking about? The inside of the elbow, right at the humerus. You got a ligament there that will strain and possibly detach itself from the ulnar, from the humerus. And what that leads to is Tommy John surgery. How does it happen? Well, if you think about the elbow and the pitching motion and the strain that they put on, this is the fulcrum, and they sling and use all that force to throw a 90 to 100 mile per hour fastball, and those repetitive movements and the force leads to the strain or the tear or the pull of that ligament. That is Tommy John surgery. The good thing is there is surgery for it. The good thing is he can come back and have a a illustrious career afterwards. But right now, Dodger Nation, what say you that he's out for the year? Bellinger is out for the year. Excuse me, out for with an e- injury right now. And in the last 10 games, you guys are two and eight. The bats haven't woke up. Dodger Nation, what say you? That's my opening take. Awesome. Uh, I'll be honest. I really don't have a lot to say about baseball. Um I am, however, quite interested in how this playoff picture is shaping up for the NBA. So we'll come back to baseball and we'll talk about the injuries and stuff. But this is the time to really get into crunch time. You know, who's in the play in? Who has a chance? Who doesn't have a chance? Are your... Um, preseason choices. Are they still in it? Victor, what are your thoughts? My, 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 how much a week changes in the landscape of the NBA. Last week, I believe we were talking about the Lakers. Can they close in on the fourth seed? Right now, the Lakers are borderline the seventh seed and now part of this play-in tournament that we did not think that they'd even find themselves in. Is it still competitive? Is it still something worth watching? Yes. As a diehard Laker fan, I'm asking myself, I'm asking you, Unc, are the Lakers playing possum so they can gain more rest and they know that they can still run the table? Or is this a serious threat? What, what do you think? It's a serious threat. We are in, we have a problem. It's not Houston, but LA, you have a problem. I think Anthony Davis is not whole. He's not quite right. He looks good at times. And then other times he looks like, well, he's just fragile. And so anytime he goes down, I think he's going down and not getting up. But thank goodness he continu- continues to get up. Uh, so we're at the sixth seed right now. 
and the chances of us plummeting are great. Why? LeBron James re-aggravated his ankle, high ankle sprain, set out about 20 games, and now he's going to be sitting out an additional two games. Is it precautionary? Are they, you say, playing possum? No, I think it's a little bit more serious because even though he did come back and he was very effective, I didn't see explosion. And so I don't like playing hindsight 2020, but that's what we do in the medical community. He wasn't whole when he came back either. And so how does it, what does it matter? It matters that he and the Lakers will possibly have to get into the play-in game. The only way to avoid the play-in game, they have to handle their business. Every matchup that they play, they have to win. If not, they're really looking for help. The Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks, who they're competing with for their fifth, sixth, and seventh seed, are, what, a half game to a game separating the, the three of them. So a lot happening, a lot going on. And like I said, James is out. So the Lakers collectively, can you lean on Anthony Davis? He's inconsistent. Can you lean on Drummond? He hasn't shown me anything. Schroeder, he's on uh, uh, COVID protocol. So he's out for the next two weeks and the playoffs start in two weeks. And so <sighs> that's three starters, count James, that's four starters. And so you're asking for the Kuzmas, the Caruso's, the Taylor Horton Tuckers. The, you're asking for so much from so many people to be out of their character to step up and play the game. So are they playing possum? I think it's the wrong time to play anything but the game and play it effectively. So to you, Vic, no, I think this is an ominous sign. The clouds are out. It's a bad time. Did, uh, was there a deal made with the devil? I don't know. That championship run last year, the short uh, off season, and then the many back-to-backs to compress season has caught up to the Lakers. Some teams have handled it a little bit better than others, and the Lakers have not. So that's where we're at. The Laker Nation, you just got to take your lumps like a champ. You won uh, like a champ, you're going to have to take your lumps like a champ and hope that the guys that are on the bench do step their game up and play uh, with their hearts and just play hard. What are your thoughts about it? Uh, I'm, I'm reminded almost of the pre-LeBron Lakers, but now you do have the AD. So we should all start thinking about the post-LeBron Lakers. Is AD going to be that guy? If he's going to be that guy post-LeBron, then this needs to be the time he needs to rally the uh, THTs, the KCPs, and everybody else, and the Drummonds, and say, this is championship ball. You are now a champion. You are now a champion on the most uh, recognized franchise in the NBA. So he needs to now show his leadership side. He's not in, he's not in New Orleans anymore. So I'd like to see him hold it together until LeBron, at least until Schroeder comes back. But uh, to your point, it is a little scary. Uh, we have rode the emotional wave with the Lakers for the last, what, 12 months. And at least the last seven months we've been on air. And to see the last few weeks, this is more scarier than it was when AD and LeBron were out. Because now LeBron's age and now he's injured again. Is this something of signs of things to come? Regardless of how he got the initial injury, now these are more injuries coming up. For years, he didn't have any injuries. We talked about the groin injury that he had the first year he came to the Lakers. Okay. Now he had an ankle rolled up. Are these follow-on? Or because now the age is starting to catch up. That's something I'm, I'm concerned about. So when I look at them falling, <laughs> we talked about last week how that 6 seed needs to stay out of the water. 
now they're literally the sixth seed. <laughs> so they need to stay away from the light. So I, 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 uh, I am scared. I'd li- I would not like them to play extra games by going to that play-in tournament. If they can find a way to stay healthy, but they already have to play the, uh, the Clippers on Thursday night. Then they have to play the Trailblazers. Those are two teams right there that are buying for a lot of positions, and the Clippers are already strong. And without a healthy Laker team going against both those teams, uh, it definitely puts us in a bad p- position. And I, I, I'd want us to I want us to have the best team forward to compete, but the the longer we continue going, it feels like we're getting weaker and weaker. And uh, you know, I'd ask the question: Are we just playing possum so we gain more rest? But uh, it, part of the eyeball test says no. They still haven't had a chance to gel either. Look at Drummond. I mean, what do you even think about the Drummond pickup? Is he paying any dividends right now? Is he still getting comfortable? What do you think about that? Very good question, man. Drummond, I just need him in the paint and to be a force. You're the biggest guy out there often on most nights. And so I don't need you to do the jump hook or the fadeaways or the 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 dipsy do's and try to get guys up. Man, go up with power, go up with force. I was about to say some put your put your thing on them, man, on their chin. Okay, go ahead and be that guy, be the bully on the block. That's what I want from Drummond. So I would like 20 to 10, 20 points, 10 rebounds every night. Right now, you're disappointing me, and you're getting in too many, too many fouls, so you're really not even staying on the floor and being that force that I need you to be. So you're right, incorporating him with the team that was playing without AD and LeBron, so he was playing with the, the second team, if you will, or everybody else but those two. And so when they come back, there's still some more assimilation that has to happen. So they, they have major, major problems. And I believe they're going to need a little bit of help to, to pr- produce and to proceed. So I'm not, I'm not happy with, with Drummond. But as an NBA fan, not just with the Lakers, I'm talking about the playoffs just being around the corner. I'm looking at the Suns who are competing for the first seed in the, in the, in the West. Last week, we, we, we leaned on the East quite a bit. But look at the Suns and look what the Jazz are doing. Look what the Jazz are doing without Donovan Mitchell. Look what the Suns are doing, and they are the healthiest. And so going into the postseason, who's playing the best ball at the this time? The Suns are. The Milwaukee Bucks are. They're playing some of their best games right now. And being healthy, uh, uh, I believe attrition will be a factor in who goes and who advances. And so watch what the Suns are doing. Admire them. Respect them. Oh, they got Chris Paul down there and Monty Williams as a coach. And we talked about them a little bit. Very proud of how they're playing. Devin Booker, how they're playing and what they're doing to show that they deserve to be there. And when's the last time we talked about them in the playoffs? Has it been about 10 years? And so the Clippers, Kawhi is hurt. He has admitted that he has a foot injury and he's just playing through it. So I don't know how to take them. And Denver, they were, what, eight and two or uh, eight and eight and three in the last 11 games with Jamal uh, Murray being out. But it's hard to take them serious because um, they let the Lakers beat up on them and Lakers held them to 80, 89 points the other night. So that shouldn't happen. They really should have rolled up on the Lakers. That's what the LeBron less Lakers. So exciting time in the, in the West, those top four teams though are respectable and any one of them can, can represent the West and go to the championship and compete with whoever comes out of the East and win. 
Yeah, I like that. I think the uh, you talk, you're right. Last week, we did spend a lot of time in Eastern Conference. And so even looking at the Western Conference and playoff ball in, in general and any sport, it's all about who's the healthiest at the right time and who's hot. And you're right. The Suns are looking crazy hot. Uh, no pun intended, being the Suns. But, I mean, awesome. So to look at what Chris Paul has done everywhere he's gone, and I still, I'm still upset with David Stern, but watching the Genie Bus uh, interview, I do understand a little bit more on that trade. However, he has been consistent. His whole career, he's been consistent. Every team he's gone, he has produced, and the team has performed. And so here you are in the year that he's only been on that team, they're already a number one seed. And you already spoke about Utah as well as Denver being uh, missing some key players. So how how what's the likelihood of Utah going further uh, or deep in the playoffs without having that key guy in Donovan Mitchell. But with the Suns, they are they are scary. And then also this hearing about Kawhi Leonard. You're right. I mean, it, it, here we go again. Kawhi and PG are still trying to gel, but when have they had a full healthy lineup? They already have the new coach, but they've been performing. But again, we start talking about seven game series. How are they going to do this within the playoffs? So it goes back to the top again. You know, not only does getting to the playoffs, but getting to the playoffs healthy. And right now, the Suns are the healthiest. They got their core three in full in full attack, and uh, it definitely does not make the Lakers' chances look any better. But until the champs are counted out for ten count, uh, they're still in. But this is this is going to be a tough climb for them. And I, again, I just hope they just don't go to the, the play in. If they can stay at six which is already going to be a daunting task considering who they got to play the next couple of weeks. Majority Western Conference teams, majority Western Conference teams who are already in the playoff uh, hunt, they're going to come with it. If you have a chance to take out the champs, why not? So they're going to get the champ. They're going to get their best every time now these last, these next six or 10 games. Why would you not? If you have a chance to take LeBron out with the wounded duck that they are, you should. So that will be very interesting going down the stretch, how the teams, uh, you know, strategize against the Lakers while they're wounded. Imagine. Imagine they stay at six. They'll be playing the Clippers. Is that correct? At three. Imagine that as a first round series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think the NBA wants that to happen. I don't think they want that. I don't think they want that that early anyways, but imagine if the Lakers drop down and they're playing in the playing game against Golden State. <laughs> the NBA would love that as a TV's bonanza, but anything that the Lakers are associated with, it's going to be a high TV ratings, but uh, an injured Laker team, it'll be anticlimactic. Totally agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. But what about what about the Eastern Conference? I know we touched upon them deep last week, but right now <laughs> you talked about it. I saw the tape. I had to record the tape. I had to rewind it. <laughs> Bucks, Bucks did something again, though. I'm still I'm Team Seventy Sixers, but the Bucks <laughs> took out the Nets twice in three nights. I mean, how are you feeling about that? I said earlier uh, in our infancy that Budenholzer, the coach up there, I thought he was going to be on the hot seat. And I still think he's on the hot seat. Success for them has to get out. They have to get out of the first round. They have to compete 
in the second round to even hold his position because they have failed miserably. And Jania, Dr. Hoover talked about it, how they have let us down. Giannis and uh, Antetokounmpo, have they have let us down in the past postseason? So the change is Coach and Giannis have changed their game. Oh, let's not forget the major acquisition this year was Drew Holiday. He took, they, he's able to take Giannis off the ball. If you put Giannis in the mid post, and that's right, really right at the top of the key on either side. The, immediately, as you pass it into him, he's a threat. One dribble and he can dunk. Oh, if you cut off of him, he can make the pass. If you double team him, he can make the pass out because of that point guard skills and what he's been working on for the last two or three years with handling the ball and playmaking. He can pass it out to Middleton or any other, any other three point shooter that they have. So now, Coach Bud made the change, made the change that was necessary for them to be even higher, greater chance of success. So I like what they're doing. He's still got a bad ankle. Uh, they are healthy enough to compete in the, in the East. Um, and I like what they're doing. So with this change, with his changing and off the ball, going to the mid post, they are a bad team. They are a bad team. And as proven in the last week, beating the Nets twice, were the Nets fully healthy? No, they're missing Harden. Harden's been out for a couple of weeks. But is that a, a, a forerunner of things to come? Is that a preview of things to come? Will they face each other in the second round, third uh, in, the, in the finals? And what it does do, it builds confidence up for the Bucks that they can handle them and they can outscore and play defense where the Nets only play offense. They don't have a lick of defense for them. So I do uh, like the Bucks. But you know what, Vic? Um, I do like the Sixers. You talked about Doc being there, changing the culture, instilling defense, instilling confidence, and getting MB to play down in the post and shooting less threes now. So they are formidable because what we do know is defense does translate to championships. And he's got that uh, championship pedigree. So don't go to sleep on the Sixers. The Nets... I'm not sold on them yet. I'm just not sold on them yet. They can outscore anybody, they, but they just can't play defense. And so uh, I'm excited about this time. I am excited. Why? Because in two weeks, the chips are going to play where they are, and then it's time to play playoff basketball. It's time to play the second season, and the cream will rise to the top. What are your thoughts about the Eastern Conference? You saw the, you saw the Bucks beat up on the Nets. What is your take on that, sir? Hey, I'm with you. I don't trust the D'Antoni team in the playoffs. Uh, D'Antoni can put up points, and I say D'Antoni team because Nash right now is just a puppet. I don't trust the D'Antoni team in the playoffs. Houston Rockets could make it to the building. The Knicks could make it. Suns had Steve Nash, still couldn't make it. So what's going to be the difference with the Nets? Yes, they can score points, but as you stated, can they play defense? I would like to see what happens. I like to see when they are healthy because we all know playoff ball is different ball. Um, but I really like what Dr. Jania Hoover has always said about Giannis. Oh, he'll play. He'll give us his stuff during the season, but he disappears. He is your David Copperfield of the NBA. He will disappear. So he got the big money last year, and we, and we hazed him up about that money last year. We congratulated him on getting that money, but we said it's time to show up, partner. So he's shown up. But the playoffs is what he's got paid for. So I would like to see if he's going to have a disappearing act or is he going to be coming to play. 
My money's still on the 76ers. And I believe that's going, they're going to make, they're going to represent the Eastern Conference. But I agree with you. Let the playoffs start. Hurry up. I mean, it's too, there's a whole lot of anxiety as we watch it, which is exciting anxiety. Yeah, let's just start the playoffs. Let's just get to it. Uh, it's like a prize fight and you get all the buildup. You saw all the promotions. Let's go. I already put my money down on pay per view. Let's get it in. How many more games we got left? So it's definitely an exciting time as the storylines start to build. But, uh, Let's let's get it on. Let's let's get it on. <laughs> I love it. Just I'm just thinking this time last year, we didn't know if we were going to see any playoffs, what it was going to look like. So even though we're still a long way from normal, I have to be honest, it is fun to be able to talk about these different scenarios. So I'm definitely excited about that. And we're going to see, you know, who's going to be standing at the end um, as we progress to the end of regular season and into the playoffs. But we were not going to get through the show and not touch on the NFL draft. Okay. If you remember, if you watched last week, we filmed the day before the draft and we, we all had some specific ideas and recommendations. So I'll just speak for mine. Okay. I said on this show that I did not want my favorite team, the Atlanta Falcons to pick up any offensive player in the first round. Spoiler alert. They did. They picked up Kyle Pitts, who was uh, touted in most pre-draft lists as the best Uh, tight end out there and almost like a freak of nature type of character. So that's who the Falcons picked and they don't pay me to make these decisions. So I've decided that I'm just going to trust that they know more than I do. I did hear that they tried to trade down and they weren't able to do so. Um, So I'm, I still think that they need to do more on defense. They did pick up a safety They did pick up uh, a couple of other defensive players. So I'm not happy, but I'm also not disappointed. I want to see how this plays out. I hope that with a new coach and a new GM, they will put something together where they can actually score and keep others from scoring. Victor. What was your take on the Ravens draft? Same. Uh, I'm happy. Uh, They picked up a wide receiver, which we needed a wide receiver. I did say we need a wide receiver. We also rounded our defense. Still interested what type of trades we'll make within the next couple weeks as as these free agents start uh, becoming released on their teams. But the wide receiver we picked up out of Minnesota, I haven't heard of. Not to say he's not good. Uh, I don't watch too much Big Ten football. And if I'm going to watch Big Ten football, it's not going to be Minnesota. It would probably be Ohio State, Michigan, the Penn State. So I was kind of taken aback. But based upon his numbers, he has performed. Based upon the highlights they showed, he has performed. So I'll be interested how they integrate this guy. He's got length. He's got height. He's got skills. I, you know, Again, I saw the highlights. But this is the time. Um this is now the arsenal that Lamar Jackson has. He has his still his outstanding two tight ends that's that's grown with him the last three years. 
Hollywood Brown going into his third year now. And now we have a rookie wide receiver. That's it. For the next four years, this is his weaponry. And we talked about J.K. Dobbins. So as far as upgrading the offense, this is it. So now everything is going to rest upon the shoulders of Lamar Jackson and what he's able to do. Everything is now going to rest upon the shoulders shoulders of the offensive coordinator and what type of design plans you're going to make sure that Lamar can be successful and don't make the offense so predictable. I'm interested to watch. So I, I'm not upset with the pick. I just don't know who the person was. I haven't followed him enough. But I still, you know, I'm going to lean a little towards the SEC and some Pac-12 talent that could have been out there. But, again, uh, they made the pick they're supposed to pick. And Eric DaCosta, we trust. And so until he shows me otherwise, I'm excited for NFL to start in the next couple months. But I'm really interested to see this storyline was happening with Green Bay. Uh you spoke about assists. You were definitive of what Atlanta Falcons needed and what they did not need. Aaron Rodgers has been definitive in saying what he felt Green Bay Packers needed and what they did not need. Yet, Green Bay said, I run this doggone team, and I'm going to get what I want. We understand you, Hall of Famer, but we're going to pick up someone else, a defensive back. And now there's this big squabble. There's some conflict. It's been publicized. Is Aaron going to stay? Is Aaron going to leave? How dare the Green Bay Packers ignore his wishes? But, I mean, depending upon what side of the coin you you you, you sit on, how, how's everybody feel about this Green Bay situation, Aaron Rodgers? Good question. I call it slapback. If you remember, they drafted Jordan Love last year. And how the timing of his wanting out – Oh, it was draft day that he mentioned. Aaron Rodgers mentioned he wanted out of Green Bay. So it's, I just call it slapback. Now, do they, does he really want a divorce? I don't know. Nobody's owning it. Does Green Bay want to get rid of him? They say they want to keep him, but they upset him over a year ago, and he hasn't let it go. When you drafted a quarterback and he's still well, – he's the MVP of the NFL, uh, in, in NFC. So – uh, it's going to be a soap opera that's going to be played out, and I'm eager to see it, eager to see it played out. Now, there's a lot of teams that could use an Aaron Rodgers, but what is he worth? And so interesting to see how that plays out as well. In my heart of heart, I believe he stays. I don't believe he wants to go somewhere else, do a Tom Brady, but where can you go and have all the weapons that that are already there in place, and what do they have to give up? Because it would have to be a trade. Uh, so – I, I, I don't know how that's going to play out. I spoke on the Dallas Cowboys in the draft uh, last week, and they addressed their needs. And I would give them a grade of a, a B plus, an A minus, because they handled the defensive side. So they were able to stay in games last year, but they couldn't uh, win those games uh, because the defense was giving up points. Dr. Hoover, pretty much like your Atlanta Falcons, just losing on the defensive end. Every which way they could lose, they can find a way to lose. But now – They'll be competitive in the NFC East and probably win it because Dak is back. He's healthy. He's ready to run the team. And so that was a major uh, problem for them, just having a quarterback that can run the system and run the offense. So Jerry Jones, whether you were in control making the decisions or you let somebody else, Steven, let your son run and make those decisions, you get a, a B plus from me, A minus. But what are your thoughts, Janiel, Aaron Rodgers, Vic, and running out of time? I get it, but... What do you guys have to say? 
I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't I don't know how basically for the same logic that you said, Unc. Like I don't know what's a situation that all sides will agree to. So that's my short version. Uh, I like to see him stay because I'm still trying to, when I look at the the stats for the last two years of the NFC championship game, he passed for over 300 yards. The other team scored more points. So it looks like it's a defensive issue, not an offensive issue. I mean, he's a hall of fame run, uh, quarterback again, 360 something yards last year and 300 something the other year. And one of his, both his wide receivers, those years, Score, uh, had over 100 and something yards. So, I mean, he's airing the ball out. But if you score 31 points and your team you beat, beat you scores 37 points, hey, it looked like a defensive issue, not an offensive issue. So I'm interested in seeing if he's just, hey, I am the man. You are the man. No one's questioning that. But if we are management, what are we doing to make sure you can get to the Super Bowl? That's two years in a row you couldn't get us over the hump. It's not your fault. It's a defensive issue. But I think the issue is that I see from a leadership perspective, if that's your man, he's the GOAT, and you brought him in and said, hey, this is the direction we're going to do. Uh, we know we have to get ready for when you eventually do retire, but we don't expect that to happen for another three years. Jordan Love is your heir apparent. However, we want to make sure you get this title. We have to make sure you get this title. And we got the best uh, coach that you can have, Matt LaFleur. You have dynamic weapons. The issue we have to do is upgrade your defense. Let him know what's going on. Otherwise, you're keeping him in the dark. You're not giving him that respect of someone who's been at your franchise for almost 20 years. So I think they owe him that, considering how they, you know, when they brought in a new coach, did they talk to him about that? There was issues when they brought in a new coach. So GM needs to make it good with the quarterback and say, hey, guys, as a leadership, as a management tool, let's talk, let's practice good organizational communication so we're all on the same page. No surprises. If there's three fingers behind my back, I'm going to tell you there's three fingers behind my back. Let's stop playing games. Otherwise, he will be talking about uh, the daily double on Jeopardy just because of GP. So it'll be interesting to watch this thing unfold. Yeah, that's a mic dropper right there. So it's always amazing chatting with you gentlemen. Um, I do have one question before we go. And it's about the... um, I saw a report where they mentioned that there were zero players drafted in the NFL draft last week that came from HBCUs or historically black colleges and universities. So Unc, you first, do you think that was a sign of things to come or do you think it's just about COVID and the fact that Play those players that play at non, you know, big schools um, didn't get the same exposure. It did stand out to me that there were no players. So then I looked up, you know, how many are usually taken. And there's usually a few every year, but this year none were drafted. So Unc, what'd you think about that? A whole lot to do with it because COVID had a lot to do with scouting for every uh, uh, college player, you know, just didn't have enough reps, enough time on TV. So um, I'd like to think COVID had the, uh, a part to it, but you also got to have the scouts being able to get out 
and see them or the film that they can actually see their players. And so scouts, because of COVID, probably were limited to being able to get out. But how did the other players get drafted? Was it because of na national recognition? Was was Were these other schools promoting their players a little bit better? So I, I don't have a definitive answer, but I like to think it was COVID related. I don't want to think it's because we're being blackballed or ignored and we have some talent out there that just wasn't viewed. And so they just didn't pick us because of, of, of what other reason could it be? So no, we have the talent. We already know that we have the capabilities. We're intelligent. We are fast. We're strong. We're capable. What could the reason be? Vic, I'm curious on your answer, but what other possible answer could there be? I agree. I hope it's not a statement in the sense of that they feel that there's no talented players coming to HBCUs. But the other side of it, some of their seasons were canceled. So I, I wanted to also look at just the practical side. They didn't have that exposure. A few weeks ago, I went to Louisiana for the tour of, of LSU. But while we were there, my wife's alma mater, Grambling, had their Bayou Classic against Southern, which traditionally happens during Thanksgiving weekend. It was happening in April in Shreveport, Louisiana. It never happens. There's normally happens in New Orleans. So when we start finding out that there's teams that are having spring seasons, you know, I would like to think that they just think of that exposure. And again, that television time, uh, a team like Ohio state played in the fall. We know there's big debacle with the big 10 and when they're going to start their season, but they're going to get the television contracts. They're going to get the exposure even with coronavirus or with COVID-19, scouts just watch TV. So now you look at, the, uh, again, to your point, the traveling restrictions that some coaches or some scouts may have had. But I'd still hate to think that there's not one player from all the HBCUs that was not even invited to the draft. And then you start thinking about coaches in HBCU. You tell me Deion Sanders does not have a little bit of pool that someone say, well, let's at least see what Jackson State has to offer. Uh, we did um, Tennessee State just hired Eddie George. So you're now starting to get some big name uh, players from the league that are now coaches that you would hope that at least that creates some level of exposure for scouts to come uh, and check out the talent. But it is a little disturbing just to say you don't have at least one uh, player from the NC uh, from HBCU represented. So that, that's all I have. Yeah. And absolutely. A lot of them didn't play. But it did stand out to me because in my mind, I figure there wasn't one, there wasn't like two. So I get it. A lot of them didn't play, but it did stand out to me that there was a big donut this year. But like you said, Victor, with uh, people like Deion Sanders and Eddie George and, um, you know, celebrities sending their kids, I think it was Master P's one of his kids that's going to play football at an HBCU. So hopefully we will start to see continued exposure because all they need are opportunities. And uh, we already know that the talent is there. So uh, that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And what's your final thought? Love each and every one of you. And those of you that are out there just have those fun moments. Uh, Dr. Hoover has talked about it in the last couple of weeks. Look for opportunities to smile, to laugh, to love. Reach out to the elderly, hug your family, 
And thank you for joining us on Taking It to the House. See you next week. All I have to say, Herbidine, Herbin, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I will see you very soon. Everyone take care. And all those mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. See us on our Twitter. Holla at us. Take it to the house. We're out. <laughs>